Well, good morning. Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope you're doing well. Welcome to Hilton Head Island Community Church. Uh, if it's your first time, or I don't know you, my name's Todd, and uh, I'm, I'm the pastor here, one of the pastors here, and uh, really glad that you're with us today with us this morning. Um, before we dive in, because we're in week four of a series called Great Expectations, we're talking about uh, this Christmas, we're talking about what it means to have expectations, which is something that seems to be heightened at Christmas, right? Big expectations for you and for, you know, uh, for the people who you're around and for, you know, what Christmas morning holds and dinner and everything. But uh, today, I just want to pause for a second. And uh, for those of you who are part of Hilton Head Island Community Church, we got some really cool news to share with you. And I get to share it this morning. Um, and uh, a lot of you know that uh, about two years ago, I approached uh, Hargray, who owns much of the property that surrounds us here. And I asked uh, one of my friends there if uh, Hargray was open to possibly selling one of their buildings. And I was really thinking about this one right here in front of us, the green one that's right out there on Highway 278. And um, he graciously said, absolutely not. Um, so anyway, that's not the end of the story, though. That's the good part. So uh, I went back to him uh, uh, probably about six months or so later, and I said, is there any change in, in anything? And he goes, well, you know, we sold. We have new owners. And he says, as a matter of fact, last night, the board uh, gave me the permission to be able to begin to sell some things and do business a little bit differently. And so I, uh, I you know, said, well, we're interested. And uh, so after a year and a half of negotiating with Hargray, on Friday, this past Friday at about 2.30 in the afternoon, uh, we closed on the purchase of Building B, which is right out there, which is great. So I want to let you know, church, that you are the owners of a brand new shiny building. No, it's not at all. Uh, it needs a lot of work, and we're going to be doing some work on it. But um, the, the really neat thing is, is that I believe that, um, you know, I don't know about you, one of the most difficult things about inviting people to church here is they can't find us. And uh, this will give us a, a, a presence, visibility, right on 278 because it borders 278 it's right there uh it'll give us a place where we've never had office space like uh you know centralized office space as as a staff so it'll give us that it'll give us a place to do bible studies and classes uh, throughout the week maybe even sunday morning um and then it'll give us tons of space to be able to organize and uh help our community partners and uh it'll really be i believe a front door into our community and i'm excited about it um, I am so thankful for our elders and our stewardship team, um, and uh, I know Laura is in here. She's our treasurer. She's been a, a huge source of wisdom and help, and Cynthia as well, uh, Mike Newbold, who just uh, uh, was in here earlier. We've had some great people that have helped give us guidance and wisdom through this, and um, I'm just so thankful to you. Uh, those of you who are just so generous week in and week out, thank you for the opportunity. I, it's just a building. The church is not a building, and I realize that. The church is God's people. You are his church. But I do believe that he'll use this building to further his kingdom in this community, and I'm excited about that, and I'm excited about the future, and I wanted to let you know about that, and I want to pray that God would bless us. Now, uh, we won't be moving in tomorrow. Uh, they're going to rent back from us for a little while, which is a very good thing, uh, and uh, we want that, that to extend as long as possible. Uh, it helps us financially. 
And uh, so uh, we're really excited about this, and we'll be giving you more information. If you are, are not, you know, if you're not clued into what's going on in the life of our church, I want to encourage you to go online, uh, sign up for, for the, the e-blast, get the, get the email throughout the week, get on social media and, and join and, and um, you know, be a part of what's going on in your church. But let's pray and ask for God's blessing in this new phase of ministry that we have. God, I thank you uh, for the opportunity uh, to serve you. And God, I thank you for the opportunity that we have in a community that is quite honestly largely unchurched to serve you. And God, I know that you have in the past used resources, um, you've used buildings to further your kingdom. And while they're just a tool, um, it, is, it is a big deal and it is a benchmark. And I thank you, God, for going before us. I thank you for the wisdom that we've received. God, I thank you for the, the moments where we've held this loosely in our hands. God, I thank you that you've provided green lights. And although it wasn't without stress and tension a few moments along the, ways, uh, the way, God, we didn't kick down any doors. You led us to this. And I pray that you would just go before us and use that property, use this new contiguous piece of property, um, God, for, for your glory. And God, we'll, we're going to be talking about it a lot and dreaming about it and, and putting plans into place on how to use it. But God, I thank you that you got us to this point. And I pray your blessing over Hilton Head Island Community Church. And I pray your blessing over Hilton Head Island, God, that your word would not go out in vain. God, I pray that many people in this place, in our home, would come here, would meet up with you in the community because of our community efforts. And God, I pray that they would accept you as their savior. God, I pray that they're encouraged in their faith. And we just can't wait to see these great days to come. Be with us now as we study your word. Guide us. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us to a place where if we need to be challenged, we're challenged. If we need to be comforted, we're comforted. And if we need to be convicted, that you'll convict us. Pierce our hearts. Search us from within. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I love when you hear a political candidate or someone running for in a, in a pageant. That's not the right terminology, is it? But anyway, someone who's in a pageant, and, and they're, they're asked the question, what's your dream for the world? What's your dream for the future? And they answer very tritely in most cases, I want what? Peace on earth, right? I want peace on earth. And they say it in a, in a way that seems disingenuous and it seems trite. And I, I got to be honest with you, when I really stop and think about it, if you really kind of peel back the, the, the onion there, I, I wonder if it's not as, as insincere as it sounds. Because don't we all want peace on earth? Don't we all want this world to be a better place? Wouldn't we like to live in a place that we didn't have to have conflict in? Wouldn't we want to live in a world where nations don't war over each other or war at each other or become involved in a conflict based on seemingly meaningless things? And I think if we really were, were true to ourselves, we all would say we want peace on earth. And yet peace has for all of human history, been impossible to find. 
We've tried over and over and over again to find peace on earth, and we just can't find it. Think about major conflicts. These are just some of the major conflicts that are going on in the world right now. These are major like conflicts that are going on between nations and nation states. There's a, a war in Afghanistan, as you know. There's uh, obviously a war in Syria that does continue to go on um, in Iraq and Yemen and Saudi Arabia. Um, and I don't know if you realize this, but there is a war going on in Mexico just south of us that is so violent. In 2017, there were th over 30,000 people killed in the war on drugs in Mexico. And it just breaks our hearts when we consider what's going on in the world and war has and will continue to, to be a part of society. It'll be a part of, um, unfortunately, our, our human um, story. It has been from the beginning of time. And as time goes on, it'll continue to be. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, the peace that God uh, promised and um, like where is that peace. And we're going to be talking about a time in uh, Israel's history, the Jewish people's history, where the kingdom was divided and talking about Judah, this, this nation. And, you know, Israel and Palestine have been at war nearly since the beginning of, of time. All the way back at the beginning of the Bible, we see that conflict started. And just consider this for a moment. We have tried just in this one area of the world to bring peace for, for centuries. We've tried. You could even make the argument for millennium, for multiple millennium, we've tried to find peace. Listen to this. This is since 1991. Um, this is the year I graduated high school, if you wanted to know that. But anyway, just since 1991, um, there have been accords and, and peace treaties um, numerous over the years. There was the Madrid Conference of 1991. The Oslo Accords in 1993, some of you may remember seeing that on TV. That was such an impactful one where the leader of Israel and the leader of Palestine actually shook hands and the world watched with great hope and great expectation that this area of conflict would finally come to peace. It didn't. There's a peace treaty that was drafted on October 23rd, 1998, the Camp David Summit of 2000, the Clinton Parameters of 2000, the Taba Summit of uh, January 2001, uh, uh, one called the Israeli Initiative or the Elon Peace Plan of 2002, another one called the People's Voice that was proposed in 2002, a Roadmap for Peace in 2003, the uh, one in May 8th of 2003, the Geneva Accord of 2003, the Sharma Summit of 2000. 2005, the 2006 Franco-Italian-Spanish Middle East peace plan of, of 2006, and in 2011, a two-state, a three-state solution and an Israeli peace initiative. And I had to read some of those because I can't remember them all from memory, nor would I be able to describe in detail any of them, just about. That's since 1991. And it just shows how we have tried just in one little part of the world that we're actually going to be talking about today from God's word that has just existed in turmoil and in war nearly since the beginning of time. And I believe when we consider peace and when we hear someone say, my desire is for there to be peace on earth, I think what we are talking about is a world that is void of conflict. And I got to tell you, church, the word peace, as God describes it, is not just the absence of conflict. 
It's not just a relationship that's void of turmoil or conflict. The peace that God talks about is something that is so much more meaningful and so much, so much deeper in the, in the depths and the dark places of our soul that it changes us individually. You know, when you think about peace, international peace, and the fact that we've tried over and over and over again to achieve it, and we failed, it, it, can, it can really be discouraging. But when you think about the fact that um, we can have personal peace and you realize that we strive after personal peace, this inner peace, and we fail as well, um, that can be even more discouraging. Um, the suicide rate in the United States has reached a 50-year high. In 2017, 47,000 Americans took their life. It's 128 a day. Depression is out of control. The divorce rate is 50% or more and actually dropped only because people are not getting married anymore. They're looking at our marriages and going, I don't want that. And so when you think about it, the world is striving after peace and can't find it. And some of you are like, man, I came to church today and I am utterly depressed. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> But I think some of these things we have to realize are true, and it highlights this idea that we are trying to find peace. Listen, church, we're trying to find peace in the wrong place. And for those of you who are here today who are already Christ followers, we fall into the same trap as well, don't we? Like, we may have this moment in time where we accept Jesus as our Savior, and then as time goes on, we begin to strive after other things, other people other solutions to find peace. Our great expectation for peace is never going to be found in anything other than Jesus himself. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It's an interesting time in the Jewish history because the kingdom is divided and you've got Israel and, and you've got Judah. And in Judah, there's this evil king that has risen up and, and he's beginning to posture and position himself with other evil nations and he postures himself with Assyria and he joins up and what happens is is that as they join with the Assyrians they think the Assyrians are going to help them and all they did was end up like conquering their enemies and then they ended up taking over Judah as their own and so this evil king turns his back on God and blames God, and, and, and his, his, the depths of his evil gets worse and worse and worse. King Ahaz, which is, Ahaz is just a great name for an evil king, isn't it? Like, that would be great. Hollywood can borrow that. That's fantastic. And in the midst of this, there's a prophet, a man of God, who rises up, and he calls Judah, he calls God's people to, to something new, and he's painting a picture of what the future will be like when God decides to send the Messiah into the world, and he's predicting not only Jesus' first coming here, but he's also talking about his second coming, and he says this in Isaiah 9, verse 6. He says, For us, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting father, and I want you to say it with me, prince of peace. 
And I love Isaiah's words here because in many ways we see the Messiah, we see Jesus as all human. This is all God. This is God's son that he is going to send. And this is the Christ child that we are celebrating right now, this time of year. And he sends him to this earth and he says, I'm going to send you a son. I'm going to send you a child. He predicts and promises that the Messiah is going to be human. He says that he's going to be a son that makes him more human. And I love the fact that Isaiah got these things right. He goes on and it says, The government shall be on his shoulders. The name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And when you look at Isaiah uh, 7 through chapter 9, Isaiah 7 through chapter 9 got it so right. Isaiah got it right. But I've got a question, and I bet some of you do too. If Isaiah got it so right, and peace is something that we can't find on this world, in this world, on this earth. Then how in the world is it right that he was the prince of peace? I mean, when I look at it and I consider our world, I think maybe Isaiah got it wrong. Maybe this isn't right. Maybe, maybe this is not the one because we can't find peace. But here, church, is the problem. Our view of peace, our version of peace, our definition of peace is so different than God's definition of peace. We have to first and foremost realize that peace on earth is going to be impossible because we live in a fallen world. The kind of peace that we want, a world without conflict is what we want. And that world is not going to be without conflict because we live in a fallen world. Jeremiah, another prophet, um, said this. He says, they have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, peace, peace, where there is no peace. And I don't know about you, but I feel like that today when I consider the world. I go, man, there's like we cry, peace, peace, but we can't find it. Jeremiah summed up the human condition. He summed up the tension that we find here and the problem that we might have with Isaiah calling Jesus the Prince of Peace. And so I think we have to be honest. I think we have to wonder if peace on earth is impossible, then how is Jesus the Prince of Peace? Well, I believe what Isaiah was talking about in Isaiah 9, verse 6, is that the Prince of Peace is a, more of a statement about who Jesus is than a position he holds. Yes, he's looking to the second coming. And by the way, Christmas in the church has been traditionally called the Advent season, which means a, a look back at God sending Jesus as the Messiah, but it's also a look forward. And I want to let you know today, church, a little bit of theology 101, that one day he is coming back and he will reign and there will be peace on earth. And that's going to happen in the future. But until that happens... We have to live in the world that we live in without peace. And I want you to hear today, and I know this is a strong statement. Some of you are going to go, the first part of that statement is not true. And you know, Todd, you, you got that wrong. Maybe I did. I'm cool with that. I get a lot of things wrong. You can ask my family. Um, like, but Jesus doesn't bring peace on earth. Jesus is peace on earth. 
And I realize that for some of you, that first statement bothers you because you're like, wait a minute, he, was, he promised that he would bring peace on earth. And that's true, and one day he will bring peace on earth. But listen, if we're striving after the, like the traditional peace that we are looking for, we are going to have expectations that fail us. Because Jesus didn't just bring peace on earth. He is peace on earth. You see, peace is not found in a title. It's not found in a political position. Am I right about that? I mean, think about the course of human history. We've never been able to achieve it. It's not found in a position or a title. It is found in the person of God's son, the one that he chose to send as a child, born in a barn, in a manger, 33 years later, crucified on a cross. And so I want to encourage you today, and I want to give you some, some handles on what it means that you know, the Prince of Peace, peace is a statement about who Jesus is, not a position he holds, and the fact that Jesus doesn't bring peace on earth, but he is peace on earth. How then can we find peace in a world without peace? How in the world can we find it? And I know that right now many of you are, are concerned. I mean, if you look at the markets, it's concerning, isn't it? Let's face it. We all live through 2007 through nine. And it's a little disconcerting right now. Some of you, you guys are, who are students here, you've got a break for the next two weeks. <laughs> but January 7th is coming, right? <laughs> and you've got to jump back in. And there's expectations. Some of you are striving after a career and a job that you're, you just are, you're striving after something and you can't find it. Maybe you're striving after an educational pursuit and it's just not happening. I, I've been there. How do we find peace? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe you're like, the people that show up tomorrow, they're not going to bring peace into my house, and I have a problem with that. All right, so how do we find peace? That wasn't a statement about my family, by the way. All right, so how do we find peace in a world without peace? First and foremost, eternal peace is found when we receive Jesus as our Savior. The Bible is clear that we can have eternal peace when we accept God's gift of peace. And I realize that probably a lot of you, maybe most of you in here today, have already done that. But how quickly do we forget about that? How quickly do we forget about that? And how many of you who showed up here today have thought that maybe eternal peace comes from good works or maybe it comes from doing the right thing or maybe it comes from following some kind of philosophy or some kind of moral code. All of those things may be good, but the one who can bring eternal peace, that's forever, by the way, eternal peace, is Jesus. Everybody's familiar with this, I realize. John 3.16 records this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, what's that next word, believes in him, should not perish, but have eternal life. And my hope and my prayer is, is that if you found yourself here today and everything we're talking about is really sounds insane, but something may be happening right now in your soul. Maybe you've been striving after a thousand different ways to find peace and you've not found it. My prayer and my hope is that you would receive Jesus as your Savior and know that you can have peace for eternity with God.
I think the second way that we can find peace in a world without peace is that internal peace is found when we reach out to Jesus every day, when we reach out for him every day. Jesus said this is recorded in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And then he says this, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And today, if you walked in this place, and the reason that peace eludes you is because in your soul there's a restlessness, there's not this rest in your soul, my challenge and my, my hope and my prayer for you is, is that individually, internally, in, in the depths of your soul, that you would reach out and, and accept the peace from Jesus that he offers every day. He says his mercies are new every day. I am so thankful for that. Because I know that every single day I fall short. And I got news for you. Every single day we fall short. And every single day, we are in need of his peace. And that doesn't ever mean we lose your salvation. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm saying that once we accept Christ as our Savior, that there are, it's not just every so often we need peace from God. It is every day. And if you're a Christ follower in here today, I want to challenge you to spend time with him every single day. Because in your world, you are going to have trouble. And Jesus promises us peace. The last way that we can find peace in a world without it is that situational peace is found when we rely on Jesus in each moment. John 16, says this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. And he says this, and I don't want you to miss this. If you missed everything this morning, don't miss this. He says, in this world, you will have what? Tribulation. Some of your versions may say trouble. Do you realize that Jesus promised us that we will have trouble in this world? Again, encouraged on the Christmas Eve, Eve service by being in church. But you know, the church has done the world such a disservice by saying, hey, just accept Jesus as your Savior and everything's going to be fine. It's going to all be good. You'll never have any trouble. That's not true. We will have trouble. We will have tribulation. But he says, I write these things to you that in who? In me, the Prince of Peace. The one who is peace, not just the one who ushered in peace, not just the one who will bring peace, but the one who is our peace. He says, in him we can have peace. And he says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You know, we can find peace in our world when we realize that Jesus is our peace. That peace is found in and how often do we strive and pursue something that the world says that we'll find peace through? How often do we, do we accept and kind of go down the rabbit hole of, of striving after some other type of peace? And my question to you today is quite candidly, how's that working out for you? How's that working? How's it going with finding peace from a way that the world is telling you that you can find peace? Because if we continue to find or strive after 
what the world tells us is peace, we will never find it. We will have our expectations ruined every time. It may last for a moment, but it will come to an end. We may have it in, 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 for a period of time. We may feel better about our situation, but the one who brings lasting, true, inner peace, rest in our soul, is Jesus. If you're here today and you've never accepted him as your savior, you don't know about the peace, you don't know that peace eternally, my challenge is, and, and my invitation is, is that you would make that decision today. But I would imagine there are a lot of you who are Christ followers who, like me, struggle every single day to try to find peace. Because this world is full of conflict. I, I mentioned just a few weeks ago about my journey um, through being, have, going through depression a few years ago and how dark of a time that was. And there's a lot that the world says that we can pursue, that we can find peace from. There's a lot of things that the world lays out, great plans and uh, great paths, and all of those things may be helpful. But I got to be honest with you, when I was in the darkest place of my life, I had to reach out for Jesus. Yes, there were things that helped. Yes, there were things that helped me, like, get on the right path. Yes, I had friends, few of you are in here today, um, who reached out to me and helped me. Um, th there were people that I out reached out to, Christian counselors. I, I got help, and my ch if you're in that place, please, 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 don't stay silent about it. Don't stay silent about it. But I'll tell you that all of those things eventually come to an end. The one who brought me lasting peace is God's son. The one that he sent to this world that we celebrate his birth, it's Jesus. And I'd be remiss as your pastor if I didn't remind you that in every circumstance, in every situation, in every moment, you can reach out to him and you can have peace, rest for your soul. Father God, I pray that you would be with each person who's here today. Some may be listening on the web stream, others who are here. And God, I pray that you would help us realize that the peace that we're striving after, that the world prescribes, is ultimately going to come to an end. In thousands of years of human history, we've not been able to find peace. But God, remind us, those of us who are here and we're Christ followers, remind us that our peace every day, in every moment, can be found in you. Father, I pray that you would be with each one of us who's here today who may be struggling in the depths of our soul. God, I pray for those who are right now searching because of the call that they received from a doctor or the word that they got from a friend or the job interview that they knew that they nailed it and they got to know somebody else got it. God, I pray that you would be with those who are here today as they look at the market, 
they're worried, they're concerned, maybe even afraid. When they think about the future, it's scary. And God, in the midst of all of these things that can lead us down a dark path, we have this great hope in the fact that you're the light of the world and that you are the Prince of Peace. Be that Prince of Peace in the depths of our soul right now, Father God. God, I pray that we would reach out to you each and every day, each and every hour if necessary. God, that we would fully depend and become desperate for you. And God, I pray for those who are in here and maybe they don't even understand this whole Jesus God thing, but they've been striving after everything else in the world that offers them peace and it just doesn't work. God, right now, I pray that your Holy Spirit would reach out to them. If you're here today and you've never considered trying Jesus, that's my challenge to you is that you would give him a try. That if everything else seems to just fall short, it seems to fail, it seems to fade, why not just stop pursuing all of that? They may help along the way, but it's not for eternity. And my challenge is that you would try Jesus. If you're in here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, I want to invite you to do that right now. I'll say a prayer out loud and I want to invite you to just say it to God silently in your soul, to Him, the best way that you know how. It's a prayer that goes something like this. God, thank you for sending your Son to this world. Thank you for bringing peace. And in the midst of my world right now, in the midst of my desperation, I accept you, Jesus, to be my Savior. Help me now to live for you. If you pray that prayer or something like it, just in the quietness of this room, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just ask you if you'd raise your hand, and I promise I won't embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Just raise your hand this morning. Awesome. Awesome. Who else this morning? Pray that prayer along with me. God, I thank you for those who have raised their hands this morning. God, I pray that you would help anchor them to you and to your word and to a church that will help encourage them in their walk with you and their journey with you. God, we thank you that what we celebrate on Christmas Eve and on Christmas Eve Eve and the week and the months leading up to Christmas is not something trite. It's not just about a baby. God, it is about bringing peace to our soul. And God, we thank you for that. And we give you praise for that. God, thank you for being the Prince of peace. In your son's name, I pray. Amen. Amen.